towards the ending of our suffering and stress we can experience see the value in, in meditation stillness as its value and also we recognize that change as its value and sometimes we get into a uh, a struggle between the two. They seem to be opposites. Stillness, everything still, change, everything flowing along. And stillness um, is something we can begin to get a sense of, quieting down. Yet there could be resistances to that. Uh, because the problem with stillness can be one feels can one feel um, stuck, you know, here we are stuck, no life, you know, even in terms of a retreat, you think, oh goodness, three months, stuck, locked in here, oh dear, you know, nice to get some different things happening, same old stuff going on. I don't want to be, I don't want to be static. But then, of course, it can be quite attractive when it, if your stillness is a pleasant stillness. You know, I don't mind being stuck with this. Uh, and you, you do recognize that uh, there's more than just the pleasure or displeasure of it. There's something about our way we are that inclines towards having some kind of stability. We don't have some sense of stability. Then things get very strange. We need, we need something in us wants to gather around something or the other, it does, you know, all the time. It kind of collects around our bodily senses, our experiences, our people we're with, you know, our identities, uh, feelings. It kind of says, this is what I am. There's this, um the sense of I am is much more important, much more powerful than even than even pleasure. So we will tend to stabilize around displeasure if we can't find pleasure, and we become kind of stuck in something. And uh, um, you know, when, when it's stillness in pleasure, then it seems very serene and pleasant. When it's stillness in displeasure, we feel stuck. Uh, and yet something in us does inclined towards that kind of um, stabilizing or aggregating. It's going to call it, you know, aggregating because the sense of things being coming together and, and accumulating and building into a particular pattern. 
So you recognize this happens all the time. We come to somewhere new and we start to want to find out how things are, what's happening, and then, oh, right, now I know where I am. We want to know how to do something so we can feel stable within that. We know the routines. We know how to meditate, or we'd like to know how to meditate. Um, So that becomes quite a big thing in, in meditation practice. How do I... How do I get the system going? What's the right one? That um, will take me to this place of steady, maintainable pleasure. Yeah. Something refined. And, and actually skillful people can do this. They can get to relatively stable states of pleasure. Mm. Of course, it's only relative because uh, sooner or later something happens either internally or externally, and then we move, we shift, life changes, and so forth. But we can have these these senses. Something that does that change. Of course, change can be pleasant. Can't it? When it takes me out of a stuck place, or a boring place, or a lifeless place, or a threatening place, you shift, get away, get some freshness, get out of here, get out of this, you know, get into some action, so that be pleasant for us. So it can be unpleasant. Oh no, things are shifting. I was just getting to the good bit. Now things have turned and changed and moved on. and It can be unpleasant. Pleasant or unpleasant, however we take it, it happens. (laughs) So we seem to have a a system that's based upon finding stillness and experience that's actually based upon change. Things are changing, do shift. We tend to, and we recognize that as you contemplate, you can recognize any sense of stability or stillness or um, that one seems to have or have developed or have arrived at. Eventually it changes and it's only held through a particular act of will or conditions or circumstances hold it there. So either we do it through our own determination in meditation, you can hold to a still point, or circumstances around us hold it there. We may have a particular, you know, as simple as a physical problem, you know, whereby the, that that that's there until the body heals itself. So we're in that, or we're in a particular dynamic, and with our lives seem to be which shifts once the conditions shift. So stability is always something dependent upon conditions. Mm. And uh, the so when this is uh, this dependence is you know is something we seek. This is um, is a quality of grasping or. Upadana, we feed, we grasp, we hold. There can be various skillful kinds of holding. Uh, Searches in meditation, you hold skillfully in order to 
dislodge other things that one is held in or held by, like hindrances and and unskillful habits. So you hold onto one thing in order to not be held by another. Um, so it's called the most skillful kind of holding, or the most skillful kind of grasping, is um, grasping of in meditation or in concentration in samadhi, and it's considered pretty necessary. You know, so we use a term like grasping sounds always so evil and Dickensian. You know, <laughs> uh, and yet it, it, it's uh, it's something that we do and. It happens, and, and uh, in meditation we're even kind of sort of encouraged to grasp a little bit at this rather than be held by something else. But it doesn't actually, we can recognize it still doesn't lead to the complete diminution of suffering and stress because, you know, something, we come out of that or we get disturbed or maybe we don't have, we can regret that we don't have the energy or the conditions haven't arisen yet to enable that to come around. That's suffering, isn't it? So a lot, one of the things one recognizes with things like concentration and samadhi and jhana is the amount of suffering that's created through trying to, you know, when one doesn't have these or hasn't got them, you know, feel so feeble. Conditions haven't arisen for that. That's suffering. And maybe conditions have arisen for it, but, but oh, blast, they're going to go and do this job instead. They're suffering, isn't it? You've got to get, come out of it. And there's another kind of uh, suffering, which is a sense of, well, a bit more would be nice, longer, more, deeper, fuller, nearly, you know. And that gives you a sense of the, of the slight hook there is in, in all forms of stillness, all forms of, of that kind of stillness, stillness which is conditioned. Mm. Basically because the from it's to do with this sense of of being or bhava, with the identity experience, which means that what the grasping does, you know, what the holding on does, whether you hold on to good skillful, unskillful, pleasant or unpleasant, it gives me the sense of, ah, oh, this is where I am. I am this. Mm. Yeah. And that is, that is very powerful. Even if we can't find something pleasant, it will be something unpleasant. The system does it. And out of that comes a sense of, I am this. And there's this very powerful push towards that. Taking a stand and you can witness this in, in meditation. We can find ourselves really, um, you know, held into something that's extremely distasteful. Because it's kind of pushed to, to, to hold something. And we find that, you know, that one becomes mesmerized by particular topics of uh, craving or ill will, dullness, you know, hindrances. And even though intellectually, oh, no, come on, this isn't worth it. Still, this almost, you know, instinctive, involuntary power and push towards that. And we may feel, why is it doing this? This is horrible. I don't like this at all. <laughs> something wrong with me. No, there's nothing wrong with you. That's perfect. 
that's what the system does. <laughs> it does that. <laughs> and of course, you know, in, in meditation, in cultivation, we try to find ways that, that what we become is at least agreeable and pleasant and skillful. So that's the first stage of our process, in a way, is what we call the healing. So at least I'm not continually you know, generating myself around misery or depression or something of this nature, loneliness or desperation or ill will. And then we work with that. Mm. And of course there are remedies that, that essentially sort of counterbalance, so it's quite obvious, you know, the ill will and practices goodwill for towards oneself and towards others and towards the very sense of feeling irritated. You practice the benevolence and the allowing and the so forth. Uh, and you might say reversing, you know, restlessness. You can kind of just sense of needing to meet the energy of restlessness and just bear with that and hold it in the body. Dullness is something that you skillful means to to um, move attention around so that you get some sense of a dynamic because the tendency in dullness is to go into a very stagnated it's not complete, it's certainly not still dullness is not still, it tends to swirl and diffuse but it often, it doesn't have any attention in it the, the, the defining power of attention the ability for attention to locate and form an object seems to be go um, defunct with dullness so you're just swimming in some groggy soup uh, occasionally bumping into something or the other and then swimming around a bit more so you need to actually have some object definition and using it, you're just getting your attention to name an object name simple object like the you know and feel it, the pressure in your legs or the sense of your back or the way your head is or even just a word so you just crystallize around that and just doing that repeatedly giving attention to something to hold on to these are ways in which we we counterbalance these effects so the first level of practice is rather of this nature with sense desire you can contemplate or bring up the unsatisfactoriness of objects of sense desire, the unattractive aspects of the body, the unattractive aspects of food, the changing nature of material things, the way things tend to break down, um, and so on. If one feels averse to them, to contemplate them just simply as elements, rather than, you know, uh, rather than, you know, Things we find distasteful, just you know, excrement. These are you just see it as earth element, and it's just you know something you put on roses. Roses like it. <laughs> I don't mind it at all. <laughs> so maybe it's it's it's, earth, it's it's nourishing earth element. But you you see how. Um, you know, we, we can we can counterbalance, and in that you begin to recognise in the act of counterbalancing. You know, nothing, one really, 
you know, in healing, when you're finding the stuck places actually um, aren't stuck. They're stuck because of a certain blinkering or obsession, whereby the, the means is there, but we don't. Something just doesn't use it. There's a certain obsessiveness, or you know, because. Um, in a way, you know, you think like dullness, for example. Something in the moment, in the in experience of dullness, something really doesn't seem to want to or feel there's a possibility of coming out of it. Even though part of us struggles, part of us just seems to have, have, have not, you know, have given up. There can be a resignation about it when dullness becomes extremely uh, chronic. With ill will, the tendency is to see either that other people or things are essentially are you know terrible or unfair or loathsome or whatever and they really are you know or that oneself I really am a grumpy irritable you know ungrateful pig and that's what I really am you know <laughs> so um, you know the, you see how these these th- these things tend towards you know something that generates a self out of them, or um, you know generates a mood of this is what I am, this is where I am, and it's supported by external conditions or internal conditions, and because of habit, that's the, that's the way the mind works. It tends to accumulate and, and stabilize around the particular experience we're having. At that time, something is can intellectually recognise. Yeah, maybe it's not that way, but emotionally and instinctively, something is, is so inclined towards that that having something that we don't snap out, we don't pull out of it. There's something that doesn't want to kind of go through the process or feel capable of going through the process of shifting, because when you shift, things go wobbly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one can uh, sometimes we notice in things that are really irritating, and there's always a, a, a certain amount of wind-up factor in life. And monasteries always seem to have a certain amount of something that's going to push my buttons or get at me, and. Uh, you know, if this person is so and so and so and so, and they shouldn't, they shouldn't, da 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 da. And you know, you can get a certain amount of energy and even an identity and even a sense of rightness or righteousness or whatever around it, and it becomes an issue, and the mind sort of holds around that. And then it comes a moment, you know, when we actually could let go of it, and there's this funny feeling of. Suddenly, when you haven't got something to push against, who are you? And the, the perceptions that we have built up when we see through them that actually she wasn't as bad as that, or he isn't that way, or I didn't quite see that right. And so, ooh, wobble. Mm. You know, because our sense of a world and a our perceptions of reality get based upon what is held 
and to let go of that means for a moment one is entering the, the slightly giddy territory of not only change but also insubstantiality maybe nothing is really solid at all and instinctively that is um, feels can be groundless could be and even frightening can be quite exhilarating but when one has established uh, some position on something being permanent or stable then the experience is is unnerving and destabilizing and uncomfortable mm. things not turning out the way I was promised they would be things uh, that I've expected not happening suddenly poof, well I feel irritated or funny about that you know and then from that we can then you see what happens then around that we then form a position around that you can't trust people Uh, you never know where you are in this place things are always going like that you know so then you form a new position around the instability of saying you know that becomes then a stable position we adopt an attitude towards that that becomes our place our stable place this is kind of what, what happens So these can be perceptual, you know, and we can be views that give us something to stand on. Even the view is a slightly, you know, um, despondent one. Like, oh, no, you can't rely on anything, everything is insubstantial. And then one adopts that view and feels, and, and the feeling behind that. So I was noticing today, you know, I had a, a, a relative, a niece. My niece came to see me. So I, because it's a very kind of special and rare, very rare, extremely rare <laughs> occasion that my family uh, expressed any interest in, in seeing me, or actually they would express it but never do it, or very rarely do it. And so I was actually going to do it. I thought, well, I'll put aside a couple of hours and make that happen. So she said she'd come at four, and then so it was four o'clock. I think a bit excited, you know. Uh, you know, a, a real I got a real relative, you know. <laughs> a real one like other people have, you know. <laughs> uh, I get a little bit excited. So of course, you know what happens at four o'clock. She's not there, is she? You know. And uh, so, oh dear. so uh, first of all, somebody I saw a car come up the drive at quarter to four. I thought, oh, that's all right. Anyway, it's, it's a car. So I go over to the house. There's this. I, I come to. I see there's this young woman standing there. I said, oh, it's somebody else. <laughs> it wasn't her. So I think, oh well, walk up and down. And then the mind, oh, perhaps she's not coming. Perhaps she is coming. Well, she is. He's trying to find something to say. You know. What should I do? You know, so, okay. Well, I'll st- go around, stand around the cold and I'll go back to my cootie. Um, so I'll go back to my cootie and I'll sit there. I can sit there and I can look out of the window 
see any cars coming up the drive. So sitting there, minutes tick by, thinking, well, she's not coming. Uh, traffic jam. Oh, it's typical, isn't it? You know, uh, so wanted to make some statement. Yeah, you know, because you see that eventually the feeling, the feeling is unpleasant, the unpleasant feeling. And I see the thing actually. I look up. Trees look very nice. Sky is very nice. Nobody's bothering me. Nice chair. This is all right. I go to that. Oh, I'm in that. And then feel stabilized in that. And then perhaps she's come. Perhaps she came another way and she's waiting in the reception <laughs> room. <laughs> I'm keeping her waiting. You know. So I rush over to the house. Inside. Oh, the answer phone. There must be a message on the answer phone. She's phoned up saying she's not coming. Every message, nothing. Okay. So you see the mind, all you know is, you don't know, it's open. You don't know. It's like that. And you see how that's it. Actually, there isn't any innate, in it, in it there isn't any problem, actually, apart from the fact that, I think, well, I can't meditate, well, I, can't, I can't really sit and meditate, do, I don't do anything. What am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. So I can walk up and down and feel that. I'm trying to find some position on this experience. Yeah. Anyway, she did turn up. So good news. Uh, so I was contemplating that, the change and the, the insubstantiality. You know, is she coming or not coming? Is she in a, been mangled in a car wreck? And she decided, why bother with a silly old monk anyway? <laughs> or, or what, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so the mind, when it can't find anything, it's you know, sort of shifting. So you just kind of go back to breathing or the silence or moving up and down. It feels calm again, it feels stable. But actually... You know, it's just another position, isn't it? You know, I could be in my breathing or my body, something to be reassured by a hold on to. It's another position, a pleasant one, pleasant feeling. This is the experience of, of the aggregates. Aggregates are really aggregation, they're events, they're not really things. You can you can see what happens. That is there's this push towards holding a something. And the push towards holding a something creates a something to be held. There is there is nothing as a thing, but there are events that can we can keep going back to time and time again till they seem to be substantial. And this process of this kind of push towards forming something is called the aggregates. And we often people think the aggregates are real things, but they're actually events, they're aggregations, they're things sticking together. 
and they're called the upadana kanda. It's the aggregates that come through clinging. So you can witness this happening. They're the resistance to insubstantiality and change. Form. Something in us continually finds form. Often this is associated with the body, um, but not always, not necessarily so. The shape of things, uh, a material form, or even an immaterial form, generally a material form. So when you come into your own presence, one thing that starts to happen is feeling out a form, you know, the body, probably the bodily form, either the physical sensations or the energies of it, a stable pattern. Ah, and then I can calm within that. Whatever shape that may be, whether it feels big or feels small, feels flaring or flat, feels spiky or stretched, whatever the shape it is, it's a form. But when you contemplate it, you realize that the form actually is changing. It's made of change. It's made of sensations and flushes and flows and tingles and pressures and elements continually cascading. It is, it is continually, it's a process of change and it does change. Sometimes you feel like uh, jelly, sometimes you feel like rock, sometimes you feel small, sometimes you feel big, sometimes you feel like everything pushing up, sometimes everything's pushing down. One can feel on fire one day and, and, uh, and stagnant another day. The form is change. Um, feeling, feeling is the tingle, the uplift of pleasure, the retracting of displeasure, the sense of being repelled, is displeasure, the sense of being pulled towards is pleasure. You can feel the movement of them, the tremendous push. Sometimes so swift that you don't experience it as a push, it's just like a flash. And suddenly, you know, there one is, pushing back, pulling back, you know, stiffening up, tightening. body even seems to spasm sometimes, to get away from the pain. Or that way in which our attention sort of swells into warmth on a cold day or hot drink, hot food when we're hungry, bed, you know, and so it, woo, you know, sort of rolls into that. Whether you physically, how fast you follow it depends upon your sense of decorum. <laughs> of course, <laughs> but there can be a very powerful inclination that you can can't deny and is going to whoom into that the, the fourth refuge the bed you know, <laughs> zoom get into that yeah. but uh, is feeling is is also is a process of that moving and it itself is in, is changeable because actually when sometimes you can happen that even the fourth refuge lets you down Somebody was saying, you know, when you have a, a sleepless night, lying down can be extremely uncomfortable. You know, lying you know, uh, under a blanket, lying under a duvet can be extremely uncomfortable experience in its own right. So it's not always pleasant. It's generally pleasant because you have a few moments of the sense of relief and warmth and ease, and then you, sl- you go to sleep. 
you're not aware of it anymore. But imagine lying there awake all night. Have you ever done that? Oh dear, it's really difficult. So the, the feeling is not is changeable. Pleasure changes to displeasure. So it is both dynamic in itself and insubstan- and and changing in its nature. Perceptions are the meanings that we attribute to things, um, the way we value how things are signified, and these are learnt. There, say if you have a perception of a person, you can see how that is something that is accumulated, built up, and it can shift when their behaviour pattern shifts, or depending on the mood you're in, or whether you feel like you welcome them. So it can be the occasions when, you know, in a, in a monastery, for example, you can feel one day you think, oh no, just no, no people, not people, oh God, not people, just. You know. <laughs> You know, not another. And then, you know, you've had overload. You know, a few days of chilling, you know, think, it'd be kind of nice to have a little friendly chat, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, as recluses, we tend to swing these ways, you know, have a little friendly chat, and then, oh, God, oh, too much, and shut up and chill out. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> and then after a while... Ah, a little bit kind of you know, affectionate again. <laughs> and I, I, I can see this in myself. Yeah. <laughs> so after a, after a few days on, on a retreat, it's not a craving, so much as just a sense of affection. Affection and fondness comes up, and I feel quite like to spend a bit of time with some people. You know. But then if you had a very busy weekend teaching and receiving all kinds of people and then at the end of the day you think, oh, not another human being, you know, growl, grump. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with anybody. You know, it's just that's the what the system does. Perception changes and the feeling as the feeling shifts. Sankara's is the dynamic of the whole thing. That sense of the is primarily Sankara's is volition. It's the volitional push that, that accompanies the others. The sense of you know pushing forward, pushing back. Uh, this shifts and changes. It's also the quality of, of that which forms an object or attends. Um, you know, both what we what we attend to. You know, what forms in our mind, what our mind. You know, constellates around that's conditioned and changing. You can notice how you can find, you know, in this vast potential of a universe, the thing that comes to mind is how somebody opens the door or closes the door, and that becomes the main point of the day, you know, or main point of a morning was how he opened that door for, and that really got, you know, so the next day you're waiting, oh, I hope he doesn't open that door again like that. And there it is again, oh, no. <laughs> you know, 
I used to have this thing about the tea in the monastery and the day built around the, the dreadful experience of the morning tea. You know, and you knew it was going to happen. Uh, so on. So we can find the problem is more than one. You know, we might have five or six attention clusters of things that we find ourselves really focusing on or being focused on in a very intense and and meaningful way and other things just completely oh who was that person (laughs) you know you didn't notice uh, who was named or who was present or the birds or the weather or whatever you know the number of things that's that's attention it's it's a it's an activity that that basically shuts out huge amount of stuff and just holds a certain thing that's a dynamic thing uh, and contact is the third which is the sense of the um, you know the, the the dynamic of impression of something a feeling feeling out effective you know something in us feels out and it and attends to what quality of contact is there and looks for contact and concerns itself with contact, with what is touched or taste or felt or thought, and the sense of it becomes extremely significant for us. So we move in that that way. So these things, these dynamics, then power everything else because they, they power it to find some kind of form to hold attention in, some kind of feeling to be pleased by, or to or to be is is the um, the real trigger you know, that gets us going unpleasant feeling, pleasant feeling and then the perception, the meanings around that so I can I can then know this thing is unpleasant therefore I'll be on watch out for it again this thing is pleasant, I'm going to look out for that so perception is the thing that labels um, or associates a feeling with something we can predict or remember or associate with, you know, this is a pleasant person, this is an unpleasant, so I'll know t- to look out for that in the future. So that, so you see, p- perception and feeling work together, perception like short-term memories of, of you know, of, of experiences that gave rise to particular qualities of, of, of feeling, or, or form, even. And, and consciousness is, is essentially, is a problem misleading, as the English word, because we tend to take consciousness as a kind of continuum of awareness. But consciousness in, in, in the Buddhist sense of the word is really consciousness of something. So you might say it's the sense datum. It's the moment, it's, it's not a thing, it's an event. So we say you know, there is consciousness of something visual, consciousness of something tactile. That, so it's really a moment, an event of something becoming present for me that's consciousness and that's changing all the time and that's powered by this sankara which is the thing that really the dynamic behind it all is this drive of volition go get it go get away from it the the focusing and the handling and the forming up of attention and then the the feeding in of contact you know, that's that's the sankara thing that, that the whole, that powers the whole lot. And so, you know, and out of this, the sense of somehow 
here I am. I don't know what I am, because the only thing that that is uh, steady about all this is that I am. You know, that is, uh, I don't know what I am, but I keep thinking I am, and I should be, and I could be, and I was. Um, so the only, you know, we, we can't say from moment to moment I'm not even a body because sometimes I'm a thought or a memory or a feeling. Am uh, I young or old or whatever, you know? So you can't actually predicate the sense of it onto a, any kind of object. But the only thing you can really rely upon is grasping. <laughs> I am, I am holding on, you know, which, which can't actually completely hold on because things keep shifting. But I'm the thing that keeps trying to do it, you know, or uh, that's the power of it. That, that's what I seem to be as a continual thing is the upadana kanda, the, the holding on aggregation experience, you know, or, or, or here it goes again, you know, the building up of, a, of an internal and an, ex- an inter- external world, an internal reference. And that's where I seem to be. And you can see it's actually endless. It's not endless. It's like the archers, you know. <laughs> Which actually I've never listened to one of my achievements in life. <laughs> because it's been going on all my life. <laughs> this program about these uh, people in Amersham, I think, countries... Something like that. Some everyday, what is it? Everyday story of country people, some village, somewhere or the other. And he's got people in archers, and it's obviously never going to end. There's never a moment to say, "That's it, finished, done it, got it." That's it. And they all left heavily after finished. End. No, no, it's always well. You know, Auntie Maud's having a da 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 da, and so and so's dog died, and there's a crisis at this. And, you know, goes on, doesn't it? And probably the scriptwriters have changed, the original actors have died. Um, and the only thing that goes on is the sense of this is the archers, and I suppose there's people listening to it. And every detail in that has shifted. So it's both changing and also, um, you know, the, 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 sense of, uh, the sense of stability about it is the fact that it just keeps changing. <laughs> And shifting, and it goes up and down, and it's got some kind of dynamic in it. So when we recognise that this is really, we're all in these, we're all in the arches. You know, our lives are like this. Um, you know, the context, the script writers and the plots change, but essentially it's like that. And there's never going to be an end to it. There's never been that moment when you finally know what to do with in your life. <laughs> when it's all finished and sorted and every loose end is tied up and that's it. There's always going to be something that Oh, but then there's, you know, Auntie Maud so-and-so and this and that and the other. I should write a letter to so-and-so. And it's, it's always going to be that, isn't it? So you can't look for stability or, or completion or finishing or that sense of all tidied up and finished in this realm. 
and it's the, it's the sense that you that it could be that way that keeps us moving, you know, that keeps us in there, that helps to fire the volition. You just went a bit faster or a bit further. You get to the bit where that's it, and right, here we are. But just do this first, and then we'll get to the bit when that's it, and boom, that's it, right. And we'll just tidy that up and clear that away and sort that, and then we'll be there, won't we? You know, it's like this monastery. Just 1981, I think it was, was it? Yeah, Lumpur Char said, well, I'm glad you've nearly finished it. <laughs> Should be able to just sit back now and meditate. <laughs> 1981, you know, we are in 2004. Well, we just fix this, and then uh, a little bit more. Oh, then just, just well, off we've done it. Well, this is the nuns' area. We'll start that, and then we'll do it. We'll sort that out, and then yeah, that'll be it, won't it? Dream on. So, without, because of this, one becomes a little dispassionate towards. <laughs> things when you actually are able to hold it and this is where the, the sense of of change itself becomes something that strange enough we find a certain stability around you know in allowing change in recognizing it will change which can be a positive feeling of this this will you know you'll come out of that you know Keep going, you'll come through that, it'll change, it'll shift. And it can be a, um, a sobering, like, don't hang on to that, that that's going to shift and change. And the term that, that uh, covers both those is dispassion. It's, cha- it's stillness within change. Sense of dispassion. It's a, one of the forms of letting go. So letting go ten, begins with viveka or detachment, which is that unhooking, the ability to just unhook from the topic, the particular thought, mood, just unhook from that. And dispassion is. Um, you know, it's a little bit more different from that. It's an emotional unhooking. It's not just an unhooking from the topic, but unhooking from being um, regenerating oneself around that. That is, uh, making more of it, trying to make it different, trying to you know, understand it, trying to make it happen, trying to make it not happen. One becomes emotionally, if the first is almost to do with attention, Viveka just dropping or unhooking the attention from something or the the more coarser forms of holding, you know, the tenacious, uh, the craving or the ill will. Dispassion is, is something to do with just the way we respond to feeling. Mm. Mm. the way you respond to feeling itself I 
And there's a, so around this particular aggregate, the affective sense, feeling, perceptions, the meanings, the way we get suddenly wired up, triggered. And uh, there could be the sense of, uh, you know, either um, I don't want that feeling. Mm-hmm. Or I don't want to feel. It's slightly different. Mm-hmm. So we have various uh, ways in which something in us tries to first of all avoid the feeling if it's unpleasant or, or, or something we can't manage. So we find something else to take us away from the edge of that feeling. Maybe we think about something or something that just churns away with, uh, if it's unpleasant, we churn away with it shouldn't happen, I don't want this, it's not fair or agitation, what can I do about this, how can I make it another way, yada, yada, yada. So we actually try and something that moves away from the actual edge of unpleasant feeling into some kind of um, strategy, either, you know, one gets ill will or feels agitated or, or one craves for something else. So the hindrances come, come boiling out of that inability to really meet the feeling. Well, we push back, you know, stop it, I don't want to feel. Something just tries to suppress it, the feeling. And both of these, you know, are, are, are ways in which we're not able to accommodate and, and allow the feeling to be there. Uh, we, we tend to, this, this grasping wants to find a position away from that unpleasant feeling because feeling invades, doesn't it? It, it mobilizes and one feels taken over. It disturbs the stable sense of me, my security, I'm okay, I know what I'm doing, I'm in control or whatever. You know? And this feeling comes in and, and everything starts to shift. So around that, then you know, in order to make to have some sense of of um, you know, one stabilizes by the getting stuck into some position or hindrance or view, or stabilizes by resisting the feeling, trying to stop feeling. And actually, the um, both none of these really work because they're both acts of the will and uh, they require energy to keep them going and, and they, they, aren't, they don't arrive at a satisfactory state of peace or completion. So, you know, it, it's painful, it's awkward, it's uncomfortable, it's, it requires energy and willpower to keep it going and then it, we kind of run out of steam and you're back with the unpleasant feeling. particularly when it starts to get locked into a perception of oneself or a situation or another person. And then that you keep going back to the perception, regenerates the feeling, the feeling, you know, embellishes, embellishes the perception and these two 
go on and on together. Uh, and you know, wanting to get out of it, not wanting to have it happen. These are all the volitional movement of ignorance, of not meeting the feeling as feeling. Meet feeling as feeling requires dispassion. Now, rather like detachment, when you use a word like dispassion, it seems to be something else that I've got, I'm going to be. So we can form these things which are really relational. That is, detachment is not a position of non attachment, it's the actual relationship with things, a dynamic of letting, letting, letting go of it. Letting go of it doesn't mean rejecting it, hating it, um, you know, taking its ideological position against it. But just well, there's the holding it, and then you can let, you can actually relax and let it go. That so it's a, it's an activity, um, and it's something that you can get the feeling of that or the sense of that. It's a subtle form of relief. It's not a. It's not a. So it's not a uh, a position we take. It's a particular, or it's an energy that we tune into. And dispassion doesn't mean um, you know one takes a stand against feeling. That's that's actually um, you know would be a very wrong interpretation of it because that that is what one doesn't do. One doesn't take a stand against feeling or a stand for feeling one opens a space around feeling. You meet feeling. Uh, feel the feeling in the feeling, as is in the Satipatthana, which means rather than feel about it, like this is unpleasant feeling, therefore I'm annoyed, or therefore I'm hopeless, or therefore it shouldn't be this way, or therefore I've got to figure out something to do with it. No, that's... that's that's all that sankara, that's more activity generating. But just to, to meet feeling, and say, this feels unpleasant. This is an unpleasant feeling. And if you just label them, three kinds of feelings, one, two, and three, you recognize there's got to be one of them, one, two, or three, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. There aren't any other kinds. <laughs> so that a good amount of feeling is going to be unpleasant feeling. That doesn't mean something's going wrong, or it just means you know, unpleasant feeling. And you don't, it doesn't, it only, you don't have to act upon it, or anything of that nature. So I find, like, when I wake up in the morning, generally, it can be unpleasant feeling. 
doesn't mean dreadful, horrible, into the world. It just, oh, oh. and then next moment, you know. Um, sometimes even standing up, unpleasant feeling from the feeling relaxing, and then the pulling, moving into action can be unpleasant feeling. Um, but you know, and then maybe seeing someone be unpleasant feeling it doesn't mean I hate that person for life or something done wrong just right now the open space was enjoyable and seeing a person makes me feel like I've got to do something and therefore something happens of that nature it could be a pleasant feeling once you become just more, more, more in tune with the, the feeling tone in the mind you know the pulling back or the and you don't make a thing out of it like these aren't behavior patterns or or um, judgments. This is just the quivering of it. And you recognize that for that first half second, seeing you was unpleasant. And then the next 10 minutes was very pleasant, you know, and then it went into neutral and then it got a bit unpleasant and it was pleasant again, and just like that, you know. And that's not a statement of um, you or me, but a statement of the nature of feeling. And we meet that hmm. rather than, you know, rush past it or push it away or anything of that nature. You just meet that. And it, it helps to really recognize the, you know, insubstantiality of things. Because a lot of um, the substance of things is the promise of the feeling that they will have. Apple pie will be just continual pleasant feeling. <laughs> you know, so I like apple pies. What that means probably is that I will not notice the act of carving it up, which can be a bit irritating. I will not notice the putting it into my mouth, which is pretty neutral. I'll not notice the act of chewing it, which is not pleasant at all. I'll just notice the flavour. That's what attention does, isn't it? Actually, things happen. If you notice when you eat something, it's pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. It's probably, flavour could be pleasant. You go to the act of chewing. I mean, nobody eats food to exercise their jaws, do they? You don't do it well. I give my jaws a good exercise. This is real fun. Actually, chewing things is downright boring. And after a while, I think, God, we shouldn't have to do this. You know? But mostly we, we avoid that by going to the, the taste. You know, what's it like to swallow something and squeeze it down your gullet? <laughs> Is it something you like to do all day? <laughs> so what happened to good old apple pie, you know? Is it somebody's fault? Is it the cook's fault? Is it something wrong with my body? No, essentially... You know, we we're, the thing is, it's empty. In a sense, you can't really say it's pleasant or unpleasant or neutral because there's nothing really there. There's just a range of possibilities which is then defined by attention. And a habit of the sankara is to say, that's the bit you notice, right? That's the bit to go for. That's where the pleasant bit or the stable bit or the comfortable bit is. Hmm? And you notice it. And so, as you go into that habit, lo and behold, 
it sort of it seems to happen that way. And that's how craving and aversion occur. Now, really, the, the key is this whole, what we do in meditation, apart from the sense of, of really using the sankharas to hold something, is start to contemplate, you know, the sankhara itself, the intention, attention and contact. Say, so what's it like, really? Instead of a movement forward to some more pleasant state of being, just this very state of being that's happening right now, what's it made of? This is the movement of insight. What's this very state of being? Before I get into my spiritual bed or my focused bed or my meditation team, what's this experience made of um, that's right now? And where's the push towards making it something else? And will that ever happen? Will it ever take me to the finally good place? Has it ever? (laughs) No. Will it ever? Well, maybe if I try it. You know. It can take us to a very nice place and useful places and skillful places. But essentially, um, the aim of arriving at places is arriving at a place where you are uh, resourced enough, confident enough, um, relaxed enough, alert enough to, to do the work of liberation. You're healed enough to do the work of liberation, which is then very much investigating the present, the moment where you are what's there for you, where you seem to have landed, where where you seem to be stabilized in, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, or philosophical, physical, emotional, and then that's aggregated, that's stuck together. It's stuck together by this dynamic of sankhara, which never really meets anything. It just moves on. Forms, generates, reports, and moves on, and generates another thought or perception or possibility, and moves on. And this is sangsara. But we can actually. The beauty of it is liberation is possible. We can begin to contemplate the fact what's happening. That I'm moving on, and I'm going on, and. Yeah, you know, the landscape's changing, but there's no end in sight, the road. And I can begin to, you know, look at some of the features of that, the feeling tone, for example, and then how how one actually, this is the why these aggregates are named, because they use something to focus on, what happens around feeling. And how the feeling is normally we feel and we add, we feel about, we respond and react rather than just resonate or empathize with. And empathy is comes from dispassion. Let the feeling do what it needs to do.
And dispassion puts us in touch again with that tone, the letting go tone. And it points to the way out of the samkara, the relaxing, the fading, the uh, releasing of the grip of the samkara. So there's, there's no end in sight to this talk, but it's time to end. <laughs>